Welcome to Phantom Astronaut. I'd like to thank all of the Phantom Astronaut patrons for supporting the show. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, visit phantomastronaut.com for all the different ways that you can help us continue to create. Today, I'm speaking with Sarah Williams of Arizona Goat Yoga. With Arizona Goat Yoga, you're, I think, the first uh, one of these programs. I've seen a few others that have that have popped up over the years, but why don't you give the audience a little bit of some background on how this uh, idea came to be, how it started, the whole thing. Okay, we are the OGs, original goat yoga, for sure. So me and my business partner, April, we were both on American Ninja Warrior. She was a goat whisperer of Gilbert, and I was his mom teaching parkour. So we were like D-list celebrities in Arizona, maybe even a little bit lower if you can get lower. And... uh I have a paddleboard business, but nobody goes paddleboarding in the winter except for Canadians. And I'm like, I need a gig to keep me going all winter. And so I was like, we should just do goat yoga. And it was totally a joke. But we invited about 10 friends. We put it on Facebook. We dressed up the goats all cute. And we did some yoga with them. And um, it must have been a slow news day. But all the news stations started picking it up. And they were like genius women entrepreneurs. And within like six weeks, we had 100 people coming to our house for every class. That's amazing. So, you know, these things that sort of started with the genesis of it being a joke has really had some legs. This was when, what, 2015? Yes. Yeah. So almost 10 years. a long time. Yeah, almost 10 years. And uh, I mean, this is like the longest joke in history then. Uh, (laughs) So obviously there's, there's gotta be something, something more to it. I mean, what was this ghost, uh, goat whispering, thing that april was doing and how did that tie into how this has turned into a long-term successful business i honestly think that people really crave other people and they crave crave community and it's really a non-judgmental atmosphere so the yoga is super basic but um the animals take any kind of anxiety or social tension you have out it out of it because the animals get everybody to just laugh and talk. And so I think over the years, that's, what's been the best part is it just brings the community together and you have the animals there as a default. There's no mirrors. We're just in a judge or a judge free zone. I say the goats don't judge the goats just love because we're out in a field and you get fresh air and Arizona is great. We can do classes year round. I think it rains maybe like five days a year here. And that's about it. Hmm. And who typically comes to this? Is it locals? Is it people from all over the world? Who wants this experience? Um, it's tourism. So it's the top 10 things to do in Arizona. We have Grand Canyon, goat yoga, spring training, (laughs) and, uh, it's 90% of people are new at every class. So it's not a yoga class that people would sign up and go to every week. It's, um, more like an event. Yes. You know, that's, that's really interesting because I wonder what people take away from that when they go back to you know, whatever part of the world that, that they've come from. Um, I, I think it's, at least from my point of view, I would probably be more, um, the thing that would stay with me more would be the experience of hanging out with the, with the animals and having that sort of environment that you just talked about where everybody, you know, feels like they can, uh, do this sort of beginner yoga in a non-judgmental environment, but also, you know, have this experience that brings them kind of closer to nature in a way. <laughs> yeah. I say it's ecotourism and nature therapy and um, 
The goats are all in costumes, so they're really cute. A lot of people don't like people, but they like animals. So that's a good opportunity to be out there and hang out with the animals. And an adult petting zoo would be weird. Everyone's like, no, it wouldn't, but yeah, it would. <laughs> so it's good to have the yoga there too. And I do about 35 minutes of yoga. I, I do stand up comedy too. I'm just like an opener, but I try to make it really funny so that if people are really doing the yoga, then they have me to listen to. And then the goats are doing stuff. It's definitely improv the whole time. We have two alpacas that walk around and uh, Kip and Napoleon. So you never know if the goats are actually going to do what they're supposed to. So I try to keep like a good comedic routine going while it's happening. It's a lot. <laughs> where did the, uh, where the alpacas come in? Are they part of like a, a, a working alpaca farm that you guys also are tied in with or did you just uh, rescue them from somewhere or? So um, this guy asked us to babysit his alpacas for the summer. Cause he was going to Chicago and they were like wild and crazy alpacas. We had to use boards to get them into the trailer. And then we brought them to a class for the whole all, classes all summer. And they became the cutest photo booth ever. They just stood in the middle and they became so nice. Everybody wanted to pet them and love them. And we made them Instagram famous. And so then the guy came back and he's like a thousand dollars each for the alpacas. So of course we had to pay it because everyone loved them now. <laughs> and then they were just a photo booth for like two years. And then we went to the state fair and the llamas were doing obstacle courses. And we were like, you guys can do more. So we trained the alpacas to walk over people's legs. They're not very good at it. They tend to step on people <laughs> half the time. <laughs> But llamas are, or llamas are 150 pounds heavier than an alpaca. So alpacas, it doesn't hurt that bad if they step yeah. on you. But the functional use of the alpacas is they protect the goats from coyotes. Because in Arizona, we have a ton of coyotes. And so they'll um, stand at the gate and scare the coyotes away so that they don't eat the baby goats. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's like a, um, well, I guess the, the common thread there would be woolly regarding like sheepdogs and alpacas, right? <laughs> maybe there's, maybe there's yeah, something totally. in the DNA there, right? um they're the protectors that's so uh that's so cool well that's that's great they have like a job and they have a part of it too you know besides just being like eye candy right <laughs> oh total eye candy but yes they are very useful go to the very bottom of the food chain every place you go you know that's the that's the thing too and i i want to kind of get to the fascination with with goats like not just with you guys but just in general like i'm i'm sure at this point you have an encyclopedic knowledge of why people are are fascinated by them i mean i see posts all the time there's you know the goats in the trees there's obviously you know symbolism of you know of the goat that's you know historical in in whatever context but you know, there's also uh, like the movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats. There's something conspiratorial and and something maybe it's in the eyes. I don't know. Like, what do you think? Tom Brady. People? Yeah, Tom Brady, you know, and of, of course, the, and of course, goat, you know, greatest of all time, you know, has now become like something in the vernacular, like I'm the goat. What is it about goats that's so fascinating to us? Um, Definitely that they're so cute. So a dog would like you too much and you're just a fun obstacle for a goat. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, so like if I do yoga, my dog's climbing all over me, but a goat will jump on you like an obstacle. People in class are really worried about the goats sometimes. And I'm like, we objectify way more humans in this class than goats. The goats are having a great time. <laughs> They're easy to train uh, to like jump on stuff. They are so cute. Then there's all different species of goats. So these ones are Nigerian pygmy goats. So they're the smallest kind of goats you can get. So they're adorable. 
And then we actually transport them to a ranch. It's an addiction rehab facility that we rent out the field at. So people are doing ecotourism, but the field's all clean. Like if you go to where the goats live, it's just goat poop everywhere. And people don't see that. They see our clean field with goats dressed up in, actually they have Dolly Parton outfits right now because Dolly came out with a great dog line. And so the goats look super cute there. And everyone always thinks that they want to go. And I'm like, no, go to, go to the pharmacy. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we, it's a good sales tactic. We're like, just come do goat yoga. We make sure everything's. It's the way to, uh, you know, to have the experience without all of the, you know, the other baggage that's attached to it. I, um, my spouse and I used to have, uh, fennec foxes in Florida where you, you know, you can have like a little facility for them. And uh, I don't know if you know fennec foxes, do you? No, but they sound oh. adorable. Yeah, they're the, um, if you've ever seen like online, the the little desert foxes with the giant ears. I don't know if you've ever, you've ever seen them, but oh, cute. Um, super cute. And, you know, people would always go, oh, they're, they're so intelligent. And, you know, they would, we could communicate with them. They would do like high five and roll over and all the other kinds of, you know, stuff that you would do with like a dog. Um, but they're also very mischievous and you also have, um, you know, this great kind of emotional intelligence that, that they have. And people would think these are just these incredible pets. And I would always tell people, I go, no, they're not really pets. Um, they do pet stuff, but you don't want them as pets. They're going to scream all night long. No. Like, yeah. I mean, they just like, that's how they communicate, right? They make these whooping, like whoa, 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 kind of weird monkey noises, oh like at all strange hours. Um, they dig cause they're, they're foxes and they, they love like making dens and stuff. So yeah, if they're, they have like a sandbox or something, you're just going to hear like scratch, 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 scratch all day, all night. And, uh, a lot of people who end up trying to get them as pets, you know, they'll bring them into their, their home environment and they'll be like, this was the worst idea of my life. And they end up, uh, <laughs> either, you know, well, it's a little sad cause they either end up, you know, sometimes, uh, abused or returned or, or whatever, because people just think that because they had an experience with a really cute animal, that it's the kind of thing that they can bring into their home environment. So I don't know how many people have gotten the idea from visiting you guys. Like, you know, maybe I want to go. I don't know if you've heard any horror stories about. <laughs> oh, so every month we get an email from someone that's like, please take the one goat that I got. This is such a bad idea because you can't have one goat. You have to have multiple goats because they're herd animals. And if you live in Arizona, you need alpacas. So at this point, like just get a farm, you know? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, um, I, I always find it interesting. Like the, the human animal communication aspect. Maybe let's get into that a little bit because uh, when I was small, uh, I was in Florida. I live in California now, but uh, when I was in Florida, my grandmother had a dock and uh, this river that they were on was very close to an ocean inlet. And that meant that we had dolphins because it was salt water. So uh, there was one dolphin. He had a little notch kind of taken out of his fin. His name was Nacho. And uh, it was great. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you could go out there and you could splash the water. It was kind of like the show Flipper, if you remember that. Like the the you know the dolphin would come up and we would hang out and we'd play. And it started to um to really become interesting to me when he went and got uh you know a mate and then they had a kid and you know this dolphin would like introduce its kid to uh to the family. It would kind of show like oh and this is where we where we normally hang out and this is this person and that's that person. And, you know, it, it really was like true, honest 
communication of intent. And uh, that's kind of carried with me in my life. I mean, I have so many, uh, the part of Los Angeles that I live in uh, is very close to the forest. So we have, uh, you know, crows and raccoons and possums and all kinds of, you know, things that are in that sort of suburban universe, but we have them a lot more densely because of, you know, how far out we are. And um, I remember I, uh, I, I kind of rescued, there were these four raccoons that got caught in a fence and uh, they couldn't get out. They like stuck their heads through the chain link or whatever. And so I got the big welding gloves, you know, cause you never know. And, and I went out and I tried to get them free <laughs> and they decided that, oh, this garden that we have, cause we have like a really big enclosed thing. They're like, oh, so this is the safe place. We're just going to like live here now. And through <laughs> that, yeah, like through them not being afraid of either predators or being hit by cars or whatever, I started to see behaviors that I didn't realize that, that like raccoons do. Like I came out oh one gosh. day. Yeah. I came out from my, uh, my back house. Um, and I looked at the front house and I saw the raccoons on the roof, but they were on their backs looking up at the sky and like they were pointing Just like tanning. Like, yeah, like, well, it was at night. So it looked like they were like stargazing, like they were like looking oh at gosh. constellations. And I, I took a photo of it. I'm like, this is amazing. I just That's cool. never thought. <laughs> so yeah, do you they start... have all these like spiritual connection to the goats. You start feeling and yeah, the animals, yeah. especially, I mean, everything's living, you know, and you have that just a universe telling you that you guys were all from the same place, you know, it's neat. I mean, do you, have you started to to recognize any kinds of behaviors and quirks and things that you wouldn't have expected from from goats or the average person wouldn't have expected? Oh, yeah, they're so sweet. And if so, when the babies are born, we have eight babies right now. But um, if they go a week without human interaction, then they're very skittish and wild. But if we hold them as soon as they're born and we bring them to classes, they're basically just kind of like a puppy would be. They just want to cuddle and they're so sweet. So then that makes them so much better at yoga. Cause people, a lot of people have been inspired by us and try and do the same thing, but usually the a goat's a skittish. It wants to just go stand off in the corner. They don't want to come interact with people, but if we really take good care of them and love them and hug them a bunch, then they love being around people. And everyone just is like, this is so cool. I never knew that an animal could be this sweet. And as far as the people that have, that have come in, obviously we talked a little bit about some of them have gotten a goat and they're like, this was a terrible idea, but um, what do you think that the experience gives to them in terms of, you know, not just like ecotourism and, and a little bit of fitness and a quirky thing, but like as a respect for, uh, you know, other animals and, and their level of intelligence and emotional capability? Well, people leave sometimes in tears so excited and we had to kind of break it down because this it's our full-time job right now like so we get the goats all dressed we're like yeah they're cute you know we try and make sure everybody's happy in class and then people are leaving in tears and we're like well what was so great about it? and they're like this is just so great for my heart because and you know people are working inside all the time they don't get a chance to be outside people don't get a chance to be with animals i mean especially if you're in apartment buildings or something like that you go to the zoo and you can kind of look at them but you don't get to hug them and love them and it just it's just gets so good for your heart, you know, <laughs> to just be with other people and everybody smiling and happy. And you just don't get that very much in the world. Mm. And are you originally from, from Arizona? Are you kind of like an outdoorsy kind of person or uh, was this something that you 
gravitated toward this lifestyle uh, later in life or um Oh, like I've always been outdoorsy, sportsy person. My business partner, April, she's the one that has a goat. She couldn't make it today, but she's scuba diving in Puerto Rico. And so she got goats because she needed friends for her kids. And so she had 20 goats out on this farmland, you know, and wow. we actually went to high school together and then we would water ski together all the time. And, uh, you know, I have a paddleboard business and we did parkour. We got on American Ninja Warrior that way. So we've always done uh, a ton of outdoorsy stuff. And we're both so ADD entrepreneur-like where if we have an idea, we just go for it. Our husbands have actually never been to a class and they're constantly trying to mansplain stuff to us. So we're like, we got it. We're fine. But the two of us have driven to California, like LA uh, multiple times just to be on reality shows with two trailers and our husbands want no part of it. <laughs> we did America's <laughs> Got Talent. We did Nickelodeon's Unleashed. We did Amazing Race. So any chance we can have to like get the goats on TV and show everybody how cool they are, we go for it. And how do the goats handle the uh, the TV aspect? Because that's a little bit different than the normal environment that you guys uh, have them in. Is there anything that's special that you have to do or are they kind of like attuned to it at this point? Well, you're in LA, so you know LA, and they are going to make sure that those animals are treated like royalty. Yep. <laughs> so they get treated so well on the TV set that cracks me up. We did America's Got Talent. They brought in all of this real grass and they put it outside for the animals, and then they kept bringing them water all the time. And then we had to get the alpacas on stage. So we had to put them in the elevator and then we had to have them climb stairs and stuff. And they wouldn't walk on the stage because it was a black, it was black and it looked like a hole. So we just started pushing them out like a mop. But the whole stage crew's like, you can't force the animals to do anything. So they had to get everyone to tape down carpet for the drama llamas to walk across. <laughs> so when they're on TV, they are treated so well. And I remember our stage or our film crew for Amazing Race, they said, that they're treated way worse on amazing race than when they do shows with animals because they have to make sure the animals rest. They don't care about the uh, stage or the film crew. They care about the animals. Oh no, I'm, I'm super well aware of that. We, uh, uh, I have a production company, you know, outside of what I, uh, what I do with the, the show and all that other stuff. And uh, one of our clients was Hallmark. And so what we did for a couple of years, we did, um, like the uh, the kitten bowl and the meow madness and you know all those like shows that they uh that they do with the uh with the cats and it's so incredibly cool to see the um I don't know what you would even call it like the level of pampering I guess yes and a lot of the uh yeah a lot of the kittens are are you know rescue they're up for adoption and and that kind of thing so you know we really want to show them off and you know, the same exact thing, you know, the, uh, they get the best food on set. They get the, uh, <laughs> absolute best, like, you know, drinks and exercise and rest and everybody, I see all the, like the, uh, the crew people and everybody all running around and like ragged and, you know, exhausted. You, yeah, just completely exhausted. And these, uh, these little cats, they're like, I remember there was one where the kitten started to yawn a little bit, like, as it was like pushing the ball and people were like, Oh, oh, here, quick, quick, quick. And they, they went and they got it and they like put it in a little tiny bed. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like, I'm tired. I've been here 12 yeah, hours. <laughs> just hyper vigilant, you know, about the, uh, the well being of the animals. And I, I appreciate that because, you know, I, I'm a big animal lover, but um, it is kind of funny seeing the difference between how we treat the humans and how we treat the animals. Um, well, and it's funny because they are just farm animals, like they're goats. They live on three acres and all summer people are like, what do you do with the goats in the summer? I'm like, goats have survived for hundreds of years. They're just, they take a nap in the shade, you know? 
<laughs> we don't have AC for them. <laughs> They're tough. <laughs> but people so don't do... forget their farm animals at class is a funny part. And I think, like I think some of that has boxes. to do with social media. I think some of that has yeah. to do with not just like the stuff that, that you guys put out, but the, some, of, uh, some of the things that we spoke about earlier, like just goats are for some reason very common and also strangely exotic they're yep. I, I mean you drive by any highway right like if i'm going through whatever state across the united states i'll normally see a whole bunch of cows i'll see horses i'll see you know these other kinds of farm animals but you don't really see goats that close to your everyday life so it's sort of like no they're outskirts kind of thing yeah is that because they're so skittish and people that farm them you know know to keep them a little bit closer in or is that something that people haven't really thought about that's the whole bottom of the food chain thing so they are they're trying to always be safe because everything eats goats so they that they're not like a big cow that's going to be out there and nobody's going to take me down you know in arizona we have a lot of predators we have to lock them up every night so that coyotes don't get them hmm that's a, a big thing, like not just in rural environments, but uh, I mean, here in LA, we have a lot of coyotes as well. And uh, I don't want to like drag the podcast down, but uh, there are so many people that I know who've unfortunately like lost a pet to coyotes. And I I have sympathy for coyotes. I, I see them here on my street pretty often. And, um, you know, when they're in a little bit more of a dense environment, I, I'm kind of like, buddy. They're hunting. Boy. Yeah, you're you're definitely here. You're looking for something, and you know this is not your natural environment. So I uh, I definitely sympathize with you, dude. I I mean, it's got to the point. Uh, I saw one one time where I was at a red light, and the coyote was waiting for the light to change at the crosswalk. And when the light changed, <laughs> the, the coyote went across. So they are so incredibly smart that they it's have started to adapt. <laughs> No, they've like, they really have, they've like, by, they learned by observation and they've learned, you know, the ways to navigate like the urban environment and how not to get hit by cars and things. So, uh, That's cool. yeah, it's like, you always look at the, the arms race, I guess, those old Warner brothers cartoons of like the coyote, you know, going after the sheep and things. Um, uh, and I always wonder, you know, if the, if the circumstances were different, you know, and we weren't so protective of some of the, some of our other, you know, animals like our, our goats and livestock and stuff like that. Like, would we, would we care equally for like the coyotes and, and that sort of thing? I don't know. I'm, I'm a big sympathy. Right. The, the whole circle guy. of life. Yeah. You know, there is a circle of life <laughs> that we've probably screwed up a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> urbanization for There's sure. The balance of nature to it. We definitely like put our hand on the scale a lot in terms of how things go, you know? Yeah. So why don't you tell me uh, a little bit more about these reality show experiences? Because that's, uh, I, I read about the, the training videos that April did for American Ninja Warrior and that, how that kind of like started this from your website. Yeah. So we, I mean, we just go for everything. So I think initially we tried out for man versus wild bear grills and they were like, you guys would be a lot better on American Ninja Warrior. I just did a podcast yesterday and he's like, you're going through this really quick. These are all a lot of cool things, but there's a lot of reality shows. So I'm going to go through it kind of quick. And then you stop me if you want to talk about it a little bit more. Sure. Um, and then I think our big break was getting on amazing race. 
because once you get on one reality show, the TV networks are like, oh, somebody screened them and thinks they're entertaining. And so it's a little bit easier to get on after that. And we were team goat yoga and we were the best in our field. Luckily, our field's really small, literally. Did you get that joke? Yes. yes. <laughs> so do everything in the field. And so, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that was like really put us on the map where people started cop um, being inspired by us for other goat yoga businesses. <laughs> and then we did my favorite show was on PBS startup and they highlighted women entrepreneurs, but that was a 30 minute episode and you could rent it on Amazon prime. And I think we had only been doing it about two years. So I look back and I'm like, Oh, we were so young and like dumb. <laughs> and we just kind of like, we didn't really have any business sense at all. We just kept going for everything. Like somebody would say, you want to do this? And we would do it. We, we didn't have any like questioning ourselves at all. So that was kind of fun. And um, he came back, he had just started that show. And so it was about a six year anniversary. He came back last year and he's like, our show's doing great. I just wanted to let you guys know that you helped us get, get this there, you know? So that was neat. Cause we got to see both of us grew in the process. And then uh, we brought him out for Nickelodeon's Unleashed. They're up against Judy Garland's parrot and a dog that rides a motorcycle. <laughs> they did a little eighties routine for that. Um, and then we were both on survivalist. We didn't bring the animals for that. It's just a BYU cable TV show. And we brought our families in the wilderness and tortured them for a week. And that's when our husband said, we'll never do another reality show with you again. But we oh, both no. won $10,000. <laughs> well, there you go. That's great. I know it doesn't last so long when you're an adult, unfortunately. <laughs> you think of all the stuff you were meeting to fix, you know? And then you want to keep going, and we still got a lot. Our goal is every year to get on a reality show. Ozzy Osbourne came with his daughter Kelly, and that was Ozzy and Jack's world detour. And that was pretty fun because he came and he, like I said, we do classes at an addiction rehab facility. But he spoke to the boys at the ranch, and he's like, I've been sober for 20 years. You boys can do this. And uh, they have a big poster up of him in the store that he was there and actually that helped us a lot in gilbert because we'd been breaking all these city ordinances and we kept getting in trouble and finally the mayor was like we'd like to thank arizona goat yoga for putting gilbert arizona on the map for tourism and then they didn't care so much about the city ordinances that we broke like i said <laughs> we didn't ask for a lot of permission we just did a lot of stuff that's probably the add part where after we had 100 people coming we're like we should turn this into a business we should probably get insurance <laughs> <laughs> So we did America's that? Got. Yeah. Oh go no ahead. no no! Please, uh, I was gonna ask a question about like uh, somebody who might be in a similar situation and and has this kind of passion and uh, like a quirky idea. Like, what advice would you give them about getting that started? The biggest thing is um, we don't think about what other people think. So we're constant, like, don't even ask for your friends' opinions. I think that's probably the worst. Ask, maybe ask for people smarter than you, but your friends are going to be jealous. Your friends will always like, why do you want to do that? And that still happens to me now. They're like, I've had people that, you know, we've been in business almost 10 years and they go, oh, that's still in business. And I'm like, yep, we increase our revenue 5% every year. And uh, which is pretty good in the entrepreneur world, you know? And like, I can't believe people go to that and they just say a bunch of mean stuff. So if I even questioned what my friends and family even say, then you know, I probably never would have done it. Um, but I tried a ton of business ideas that haven't worked. <laughs> so you see that goat yoga is the one that did work. Like I never would have guessed that it was just kind of a whim that we would try it. So just go for everything and don't be afraid of failing. <laughs> and you were going to mention, I think, uh, America's got talent. 
yeah we did america's got talent last year um and on that was another one where our friends were like you guys really think you're gonna do well on that and we go no we're we're getting it on tv and it's the most genius publicity stunt ever <laughs> no we didn't think we would do okay we got three s's and one no from howie well <laughs> well you know i'm sure that the uh i'm sure the goats you know didn't take it very hard that uh that you didn't get all three so <laughs> oh there's baby goats and so and we got a lot of airtime mostly because heidi and sophia acted like they're gonna steal the goats so <laughs> it wasn't about our act at all <laughs> that's a that's such an interesting strategy too um you know you have this great viral idea and you know you're you're using every opportunity and you know mechanism of of media to to promote it i mean i think it's kind of a brilliant strategy what was the very first sort of inception i know like we talked earlier about american ninja warrior sort of being the first one but i have a good one for this a good answer for you yeah then so, you know where i'm really, going so as you yeah yep. you can just take it from there yeah <laughs> I spent a lot of time studying um, Ringling Brothers of Barnum Bailey Circus and all of his marketing. And so I think this just applies to entrepreneurs everywhere, but there are customers everywhere, especially in a place like LA or Phoenix, we have 5 million people and you drive down the streets and everywhere there are customers. And he said, people will spend their last dime on clean family fun. And so I just keep remembering that. And I'm like, there's so many people that probably have never heard of us. And still, after all these years, we have people come to goat yoga that have never heard of us. And the only way people are going to hear about you is if you tell them. And so we reach out to all the news stations and we have a couple news stations that whatever our idea is, they need filler segments. And so we say, hey, this week we're doing Shark Week Goat Yoga. And so they need a filler segment and they throw that in. Um, like we're going to St. Vincent de Paul to, they have a huge campus here. And we're bringing the alpacas out for a dinner. So we thought we might as well call the news station and see if they want to come out. And they want the good hearted stories. And I think a lot of people would, they would maybe go pay a PR person or a publicist, but nobody's going to put in as much work as you are into yourself. And if you're not worried about failing, you just keep putting the feelers out, then you're going to get some of the, some people are going to have you on. Some people are going to interview you like this. You put this on threads. And I was like, I'm in, I had no idea what this was about. <laughs> But there's going to be people that hear about goat yoga that never heard about it before, you know? Well, it's a, that's an interesting kind of perspective. And I, I try to say that to people as well, because uh, one of the things that, that I'm involved in is a, a big film festival. It's called Slam Dance, and we we do it in Utah. And uh, it's one of the top film festivals in the world. And we just finished last week. And um, we have all these filmmakers, I think 125 independent filmmakers come down. And the first thing that I always talk to them about is how to market their project, how to get people excited about it, uh, generate some kind of buzz. And really that that fearlessness, I think, is a huge part of it. The ability to not worry that whoever you're pitching is going to reject you because you will always be rejected. It's just, right. you know. Is that one out of the hundred that you put out going to going to accept you? And that's the only one you have to really worry about, right? Right. And uh, so I started doing stand-up comedy. It's probably been about six months. And that has to be the hardest thing I can possibly think of because you fail every time you do it. You're up there and people are like, yeah, not funny. 
<laughs> and so it, I've gotten to the point now. And honestly, I, I'm like, I can't, my husband's like, well, an MBA might be hard. And I was like, yeah, probably. But <laughs> the stand up, I get up there and if nobody laughs, I'm like, well, that didn't work. I'll see you guys next week. And that's kind of how you need to live life. Just, all right, well, that didn't work. What can we tweak to do to fix it so that it works for the next thing? You know, not your soul's crushed and you're not doing every anything ever again. You got to just keep tweaking stuff. And do you think that there's any value to learning and adjusting from those failures or are you more in the school of uh well it didn't work this time maybe uh maybe the next audience is going to be the right audience where do you find the the sort of like median between those two mindsets um that's an interesting question because you do have to realize maybe your idea does need some work and and that's my biggest thing is ego is the enemy Cause you might think that you're so genius, but step back and, um, you can't have such a big ego that you don't realize you have a bad idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so step back and get credit, get advice from people that it's worth getting advice from. So people that are farther ahead than you, not people that would be jealous of you. And then also find your niche because definitely in comedy, there's nobody really like me in comedy I've noticed. And so I found this niche where I can fit in as somebody kind of unique. Um, there's a million white males doing it. And so if I can be a little bit different than them, I can get ahead. So if you can find maybe be the big fish in a small pond, whatever that is, that's going to give you a lot more self-esteem than trying to jump into like LA, like LA will eat you alive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go to maybe Kansas and you do some stuff, then you're probably going to do a lot better. It's kind of interesting because we have so many people who come to Los Angeles, uh, pursuing stand-up comedy and they do get, you know, very good. Cause the, the audience sees a lot of stand-up. They're very discerning. There's a lot of industry people, obviously who can, you know, move people forward in their career, but I, I've been told I have a couple of friends who are relatively well-known stand-up comedians. And you know, what I, what they've said to me is that they get to a certain plateau doing comedy or polishing it here in LA, and then they have to go out on the road. And right. that's what differentiates somebody who's kind of like a good comedian from becoming a great comedian. It's almost like they, they start figuring out the recipe here, but then unless they know that it works, everywhere else that they go and that experience of you know seeing all these diverse audiences and how they react to it they have found that they don't really break into that next level right and yeah. what if people did that with just boring jobs like what if yeah. you went to you know you work at dunkin donuts and you're burnt out on your life but if you could find a way that to make that exciting every day i, I just make each day the best day you can even if it's something monotonous, it doesn't have to be exciting like we're doing, you know, it could be find the joy in every day and whose life can I impact today to make this day better and just, you know, being happy about stuff. How did you, if you don't mind me asking, get that arrangement for the, um, the space with the, with the uh, drug re rehabilitation facility? What was the, what was that conversation like? Cause I think that'd be really interesting for people who are trying to find novel solutions to, you know, things that you're trying to put together. So it's pretty cool. So we're doing classes at April's house and we're having a hundred, 150 people come and the neighbors across the street kept calling the police and the police would come <laughs> and they would just play with goats. <laughs> 
And so after a couple of weeks, so the police kept coming. They're like, you guys got to find a better location. So we kind of just said a prayer and we just drove around looking at different um, fields because it's kind of wild west, you know, and this was a rodeo ground. And we didn't even know it was an addiction rehab facility, but we went in and we said they had a whole bunch of pastures where they just turn out horses. And we said, can we just rent a field? I mean, they probably have 20 pastors. And um, like, yeah, sure. Why not? And we wanted to make sure, like, they didn't even ask a lot of questions, but we wanted to make sure that they wanted to keep us there. And so we gave opportunities for the boys that are in rehab to come and help with classes. And then lots of people in our classes started donating money back to the facility. And so now they love it. It's been a win-win situation. So I think if you can come up with a win-win situation, that's the best way to do it. And then think outside the box because... Um, if we would have looked at a commercial facility, it would have cost us a fortune. Like to rent a rodeo ground would be $1,200 a class. And this was just happened to be a field. And I mean, we pay a hundred bucks a class that we can use and it didn't inconvenience anybody and actually help them. So always think of the win-win for everybody. That's really, really smart. And uh, I think that and more people don't um, look for these kind of novel solutions in their backyard. So that's great advice. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about the the programs that you have? Is it always just the one standard program or do you do a di- variety of different kinds of classes for people? Um, well, we do a lot of corporate, probably half of our business is corporate, which is awesome. Um, Scottsdale's a big hotbed for tourism. And so that's a lot of the team building stuff. We go into schools and we bring the alpacas and we do like a Kind of like we just told you the motivational speaking, don't worry about what people think, but the alpacas are there to keep the kids engaged. Uh, so we probably do a couple of those a month. And then um, the classes are all themed. So we'll have 80s goat yoga, Hawaiian goat yoga, Christmas. And then um, some ladies come in with like a sound bath thing and whatever community entrepreneurs want to come in and do stuff, we let them come do it during class because then they get a lot of exposure. That's really cool too. I, I'm I'm so happy to hear that you continue to work with people like within the community and to kind of like, you know, barter and help and support. That's really, really cool what you do there. Karma will get you. I mean, <laughs> the earth will reward you. If you give to the universe, the universe will give to you. <laughs> <laughs> so Just how gotta can... believe it. <laughs> <laughs> How can people uh, find out more about Arizona Goat Yoga? How can they book with you guys? Uh, what's all the info? It's so affordable. Um, we keep classes at $15 for the public so that anybody can come. We want the family to come. Like I told you with the circus, people just want clean family fun. So we want to make sure it's affordable. Um, we bought goatyoga.com. So it's pretty easy to find us. All of our social media, YouTube, everything is goat yoga. We have goat yoga. We bought every trademark you could think of. <laughs> And do you have any, uh, any upcoming appearances or anything that you can tell us about or. So Jersey Shore came. So Jersey Shore goes on vacation, came a month ago and they went to Tucson and that will be hilarious. Whatever they edited it into, because they were so drunk. (laughs) And then um, we're, we're trying out for Shark Tank for an alpaca photo booth. So hopefully we get on that. And then we just auditioned for a game show. So we'll see if we get that. But we're constantly like, we're just on backstage casting, all the casting sites. Because people say, how'd you get on that show? Work. It's a lot of work. It's not like people are calling us and telling us to get on the shows. We're putting in tons of videos and constantly auditioning. Um, It's definitely a full-time job. Well, thank you very much for uh, spending a little bit of time with me today, Sarah. I really appreciate it. And 
letting everybody know a little bit fun. more about goat yoga and everything that you're doing over there in Arizona. Um, is there any parting word that you want to give to the audience? You guys, you're the greatest of all time and Bahamaste. <laughs> like namaste, but Bahamaste. <laughs> okay, it's Sarah. a really funny class. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Williams, everybody. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Visit phantomastronaut.com for all of the different ways that you can help us to continue to create. And I will see you out there.